Well, I want to ask you three questions, and uh, we're going to put up a scale on the screen. It's a scale of one to five, and I want you to assess how confident you are, okay? So how confident are you in a scale of one to five? Here are a few questions to help you answer that. The first one is this. Uh, let's say you get together with a few friends and uh, you're, you're gonna, well, you're going to get together with a few friends and you arrive at the place where everyone's gonna meet, but no one you know is there yet. What do you do? Number one, you pretend you arrived at the wrong address and you leave. <laughs> Two, uh, you go hide in the washroom until someone you know comes. Three, you go stand in the corner, pull out your phone and pretend that you're busy, uh, hoping no one talks to you. Four, you go to the food, hoping someone strikes up a conversation with you. Or five, you walk right in and share a story of what happened to you along the way. You know, how confident are you? One, two, three, four, or five. Here's another question. Uh, let's say it's the first day of school uh, or first day at your new job and your teacher, your boss asks everyone a question and you think you know the answer. What do you do? One, you don't say anything, you don't make eye contact. Two, you sit still, you don't move, and when your teacher or your boss shares the answer, you do a large nod as if you knew the answer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Three, uh, you raise your hand after the teacher or boss calls on someone else to answer the question. Oh, oh, oh he already answered the question. I guess you don't need to ask me. Four, uh, you answer the question, but you phrase it as a question so you don't look ignorant if you get it wrong. Or five, you go for it. You just share the answer because you got this. Okay, one, two, three, four, or five. Okay, here's the last question. It's the night before an interview for the job you really want. How do you sleep? Number one, you don't because you spent all night trying to prepare for the interview. Two, the lights are out but you can't fall asleep because you're running through all the scenarios and everything that's gonna happen if you don't get the job and how your life is gonna be utterly ruined. Three, uh, you stay up for a bit to double check your notes but eventually you go to bed. Four, it takes you a while to get to bed but you fall asleep, you're, you're, you're good to go. Or five, you sleep like a baby because you know you're gonna get the job. How did you score on a scale of one, two, three, four, or five? You know, in any given situation, there, there are reasons why we might be more confident uh, in, in some situations over others. I mean, one reason we might be confident is because of our past accomplishments, right? Like, we got this, we've done this before, we can do it again. Or we might be confident in other situations because of what we know and, and how much we know. Or, or maybe we're confident because of who we know. And, and even if we're awkward, or even if something happens, we have other people we know. Or, or maybe we're confident because of our family and how we were raised. Like if you were a Mandelbaum, like you would be confident. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Mandelbaum, it's from Seinfeld. Let me, let me walk you through the, uh, the scene. Jerry is visiting his dad in Florida, and he sees an 80-year-old resident of the condo community, Izzy Mandelbaum, who is as strong as an ox. Jerry's dad says to Jerry, I bet you can't lift those weights. And then Jerry says to his dad, I could, I just choose not to. <laughs> 
while Izzy hears the chattering going on, then he challenges Jerry to a weightlifting duel, and he says, it's go time. So Jerry goes, he picks up the weights very easily, and then he, you know, he, he, he drops them down on the ground, and then Izzy says, oh, you think you're so tough? Move aside, string bean, and he goes, lifts up heavier weights, and just as he bends down and tries to lift it up, crack, and he yells out, my back! And let's see what happens when Jerry visits Izzy in the hospital. Hi, son. Hi, Daddy. <laughs> this is your son? I got married in high school. Hey, who are you? This is Seinfeld's kid. Oh, you think you're tough picking on an old man? Maybe you'd like to try taking on somebody your own age. You got any kids? <laughs> or you think you're better than me? Go ahead, pick out anything in the room here. I'll lift it up over my head. Look, no one is lifting anything. The television. <laughs> this one's for you, Pop. It's go time. <laughs> My back! Oh, We're already in a hospital. I swear to you, I didn't know the TV was bolted to the table. I bet you pulled that trick on my daddy in Florida. He couldn't handle the weight. Oh, so now you think you're better than me. You think you're better than him? Look, let me just state for the record, I think you're both better than me. Okay. My boys. My dad. My grandpa. Oh, come on. What happened to him? He was trying to lift the TV. That TV? Oh, no. It's go time. Why didn't anybody tell me? It was bolted down. I still thought you could do it. Me too. Man, man, man. Fellas, look, I gotta go. Oh, yeah, that's right. Go. Put us all in the hospital, and you, you ruined our business with all your macho head games. I think I can help you out. I'll see you later. Hey, I can't see the TV. Here. You think you're better than us, don't you? Uh, so good. So good. We all have confidence in someone or something, right? Like Mandelbaum, Mandelbaum, Mandelbaum. Their confidence was in their family. It was in their selves. And, and you know what? Not only today do we all find confidence in something or someone, uh, but back when Paul was writing this letter to the Philippians, uh, there was that temptation as well. So before, uh, before he met Jesus, Paul's confidence, as we'll see in Philippians 3, was in how he grew up. So take a look at this in verse four. Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. Before Paul met Christ, he was like, Mandelbaum, 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 right? Like that was what his confidence was in. And he was like, you think you're better than me? And that's what he's saying here. He's like, I was circumcised on the eighth day, meaning that he had been following God's ways since he was a baby. Of the nation of Israel, Paul was born into God's ancient people. 
And then he says, of the tribe of Benjamin. Not only was he born into God's ancient people, but he was born into the tribe of Benjamin, which Israel's first king, Saul, came from. Then he said, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. It's purebred, made in America. (laughs) Regarding the law of Pharisee, he was highly learned and trained, advanced in Judaism far beyond his contemporaries. Regarding zeal, persecuting the church, he was so passionate about the law that he led the persecution of the church. And lastly, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. He kept the law through and through. What we see here is that Paul used to put his confidence in all of that. He used to put his confidence in everything else. But as we'll see today, he doesn't anymore. He doesn't place his confidence in anything else. He only places his confidence in Jesus because Jesus is greater than everything else. So is that how you see things? In our time together today, we're going to see how Paul helped the Philippians to stand up to the prevailing pressures of their day to place their confidence in everything and anything other than Jesus. We're going to learn how to watch out and what to watch out for and how to walk in the way that Jesus walked. We're going to learn how to watch out and walk in. So let's start by learning how to watch out for the same type of people, the type of people that, the, that Paul was warning the Philippians to watch out for, okay? Let's learn how to watch out for false teachers. Now, who are false teachers? False teachers are anyone who adds things onto what Jesus said, who changes what Jesus said or or deletes those things, right? That's what a false teacher is. So when Paul was writing this letter to the church in Philippi, there were false teachers doing this very thing, trying to sway the Philippians to being one degree off. Here's the truth, but here's a little bit more than what Jesus said. Now here's where context really matters. Take a look at verse two. Paul's saying, watch out, right? Watch out for these false teachers. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. He's not saying here, you know, watch out for Scooby-Doo. Watch out for Bolt or Snoopy. He's not saying watch out for canines. He doesn't have anything against dogs or against murderers or villains or cannibals. That's not specifically what he's saying here. What he's saying is he's warning the Philippians to watch out for the Judaizers. Who are the Judaizers? The Judaizers were Jewish Christians, Jews that became Christian, that after becoming Christian said, you know what, in order to follow Jesus, shouldn't we also follow the Torah? Shouldn't we also follow the ways of Moses? Right? They taught in order to follow the way of Jesus, you have to follow the way of Moses first. This is what the Judaizers were teaching the Philippians. Now here's how Paul describes them in 2 Corinthians. For such people, these false teachers, these Judaizers, are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder... For Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no great surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will be according to their works. These false teachers were seeing the ways that Gentiles, non-Jews, were 
becoming Christian. And they didn't have an issue with that. They actually celebrated that. They liked the fact, they were, they were happy that other people, non-Jews, were beginning to follow the ways of Christ, but, but they didn't think that was good enough. For them, the gospel wasn't Jesus, period. It was Jesus plus something else. It was Jesus plus the ways of Moses. It was grace plus works. And that's what the false teachers were, were, were doing. And, and really specifically, the Judaizers were doing this by telling all the Jewish men that they first had to get circumcised in order to follow Jesus. And that's something Jesus never said. So in the face of this, right, we see in this verse that, that Paul is saying, watch out, watch out, watch out. Right, which in this context means beware. It's like the yellow lights are flashing. Hazard, hazard, hazard. Watch out, slow down around the bend because this is dangerous. Beware. That's what Paul's saying here to the Philippians. He's so serious. Like he's so serious about this, these false teachers and what the false teachers were trying to do that he says something like, utterly straightforward that he wishes this happens to the false teachers. Take a look at this, Galatians 5. He says, I wish these false teachers, those Judaizers, those who are disturbing you might also let themselves be mutilated. You know what mutilated means in this context? He's not talking about circumcision. He's talking about castration. Like, guys, like, there should be a collective gasp right now. Oh, right, like, punching, like, this is, this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, these false teachers are doing such damage to your faith and to your witness in Christ that I wish that that would happen to them. I mean, this is serious stuff here. So, friends, in the same way, who do you need to watch out for? Who are the false teachers in your lives? Who are, who are the Judaizers for you? Who's teaching a gospel that's Jesus plus this or grace plus something else? Like, is there someone in your midst? Is there someone that you're listening to? Is there someone around you who, who is advocating for this? Now here's the thing, most false teachers don't say that they are a false teacher on their bio. Right? Like that's not the foot they lead with. But if false teachers change what Jesus said, add things onto what he said, or delete the things from the gospel and from the word of God, then perhaps the way to discern who to watch out for is by looking for people who major on the minors. For example, do you know someone who is more interested in politics than in telling people about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Or how about the end times? Do you know someone who is more interested in reading the signs of the times than telling people that Jesus is actually returning? Or how about knowledge? Do you know someone who is who is interested, they're so interested in, in gaining more knowledge about Jesus, which is a good thing, but it's, they're so interested in that that they do that at the expense of living for Jesus. So while they might know a lot, they're not actually living like Jesus. I mean, do you know anyone like this who majors on the minors? I love how the theologian Meldenius puts it. 
he says, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. Love this. Well, now that we know who to watch out for, let's learn how to walk in the way that Paul walked so that, he can stand, so that we can stand up to the prevailing pressures of our day. The first area that we are to walk in is our new identity. Now, in contrast to what the false teachers were teaching, Paul's reminding the Philippians here that they don't need to do anything to receive or earn or, or, or accept the love of Jesus. No, they, they, just need to, they just need to receive what's been done for them. They don't need to do, they need to receive. That's why he says what he says in verse three. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. You see that? In verse three we read, for we are the circumcision. Now for the Jews, the circumcision, circumcision was a sign and seal of God's covenant, uh, not just upon men, but upon and for the people of God. It, it, was a, it was a way to show everyone else that yes, these are the chosen people of God. Now at that time, uh, the Gentiles would call the Jews the circumcision, and the Jews would call the Gentiles the uncircumcision. Isn't that weird? Right, like, I mean, can you imagine this? It's like, hey, circumcision, how was your day? Oh, it's going really well, uncircumcision. Um, yeah, but, you know, what about, what about, you know, it's getting cold, it might snow. Yeah, I know it's the uncircumcision, but the circumcisions here are having a party. You, uncircum- you wanna, I mean, isn't that so weird? Like, that they would call each other this, but, but what happened was the Philippians, there was both Gentiles and Jews that were a part of this church, and by calling each other this, there was division. I mean, obviously, us versus them sort of thing would arise. So that's why Paul says here, hey, um, we are the circumcision. Like, he, he, just, he just addresses it flat out. He's saying, guys, stop placing your identity on this. Because that doesn't matter anymore. The sign and seal and evidence of God's love for you is not what you do or what's been done to you. It's on, it's Jesus. It's what Jesus did for you. Like that's our sign. That's our seal. That's what he's saying here. And he's saying stop placing your confidence in that. Place your confidence in Jesus instead and in your new identity in him. Friends, do you have anyone like this who is trying to weigh you down with something extra? Someone who's trying to weigh you down and and, and place extra baggage on you and in your life? I mean, because of Jesus, what's true of us? We're not what we do, right? Because of Jesus, we're not the things that we experience and the places we travel. Because of Jesus, we're not what we own. Because of Jesus, we're not what we know or or who we know or, 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 or who we raise or our past, right? None of these things define who we are. That's not who we are. Because of Jesus, we see that we are children of God. Like that's what matters. That's what we can place our confidence in. Because of Jesus, we are new creations in Christ. 
Because of Jesus, we are known by him, our loving Savior. And, and you know what? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So because of Jesus, we are complete in him. We are God's masterpiece and we are free. We are utterly and completely and totally free from all condemnation that's in Christ Jesus. Um, in, in Christ Jesus, we are free from all condemnation because of what Christ Jesus did for us. So let's walk in this, right? Let's walk in our new identity, not in what other people say or things that have happened in the past. Let's walk in this, our new identity in him. Well, in verse three, we also see that we are called to not only walk in our new identity, but walk in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The next phrase in verse three is an interesting one. It, it talks about worship. And, and, and when you see this word worship, Sometimes we think this, but this is not actually what Paul is referring to when he says that word worship. So take a look at this. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil, or sorry, no, you got the right verse. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the spirit of God, right? The ones who worship by the spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus and do not put confidence in the flesh. We are the ones who worship by the spirit of God. The kind of worship that Paul is talking about here is worship as service. That serving is worship. Romans 12.1 outlines it a little bit clearer. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing God. This is service, serve, this is your true worship. So in other words, when we serve God with our all and our everything, as we see here in Romans 12, this is our worship. And so when Paul says here that we are the ones who worship by the spirit of God, he's saying that when we serve God with our all and our everything, we're actually doing it through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We're not just, we're not just serving God because we have time and we have talents and, and skills to do things. No, we're actually, when we serve God, we are doing it through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Take a look at how this verse, Philippians 3.3 is translated in the NIV. We who serve God, worship as serving, serving God by his spirit. In other words, serving is evidence that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit guides and leads us to live the life that Jesus lived. The only way that we can live the life that Jesus lived is through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, right? Otherwise, we're just gonna fail or, or make mistakes. I mean, it's, or, or not be able to get back up because it's just, it's all on our own works and our abilities that we're doing this. So when Jesus said, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, the only way that Jesus was able to do that was through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So when we serve, here's what we're reminded of, okay? When we serve, we're reminded that we're not all that. <laughs> we're reminded that life doesn't revolve around us, that it's okay to have margin and not be in a rush all the time. Wait, we're reminded that, why? Because when we serve, we're not the boss. 
We're caring for others. And yeah, we could spend our time doing the things that we want or, or things that only benefit us, but when we serve, we're saying, no, I'm, I'm here to serve. I get to serve. I want to give. And when we do that, and when we do that through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we're actually walking closer and walking with Jesus and according to his, his ways for us. I love how Elizabeth Kubler-Ross puts service. As far as service goes, it can take the form of a million things, right? To do service, you don't have to be a doctor working in the slums for free or become a social worker. Your position in life and what you do doesn't matter as much as how you do what you do. I love that idea of service. So are you serving? Are you, are you living a life of service. I'm not just asking if you serve here or there occasionally. I'm asking your life, like the perspective, the outlook that you have on life and your time and your talent and your treasure. Like, is it a life of service? Do you see this as you are merely a steward entrusted with what you have and you are serving out of that through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? Because when we serve others, we are serving God. When we serve the church, we are serving God. So what does service look like in your life? If you are looking for an opportunity to serve, if you're not already serving here at Beulah, I want to encourage you to learn more about what that might look like. You can go to beulah.ca slash serve and, and find a few opportunities. Not all the opportunities are there. We actually have hundreds and hundreds of different opportunities, both inside and outside, both on the weekends and midweek, during the day and the evening, to serve. So I wanna encourage you to do that. I wanna encourage you to, to look into opportunities and ways for you to serve. Or you can, another way to do that is you can take the Connect card that's in the seat back in front of you, fill it out, or talk to our team at our Welcome Center, and we'd love to get you connected in to serving the body. Well, you know, when we walk in our new identity and we walk in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, here's the cool thing. As we do that, we will learn how to walk in confidence because of Jesus. At the end of this verse, verse three, Paul's helping the Philippians. He's, he's reminding us that our confidence is not in any of the stuff that we do. It's not in our flesh. It's not in our accomplishments. It's not in our status. It's not in our, our past. None of that. He's saying that is not where our confidence is. Our confidence is in Jesus alone. So take a look at this in verse three. For we are the circumcision. We talked about that. The ones who worship by the spirit of God. Talked about that as well. And here's the point here. Boast. And we are the ones who boast in Christ Jesus. And do not put confidence in the flesh. I love how this one theologian, Moises Silva, puts it. He says, to, put our, to believe in Jesus is to put our confidence in him. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, to, to follow Jesus at the core of what it means to follow Jesus, he's saying it's actually an act of putting our confidence in him and not in ourselves and not in anyone or anything else. In other words, when we walk in our new identity in Christ and when we walk in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we will be able to, we will learn how to walk in confidence because of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it so easy 
to slip into pride. It's, it's kind of how we're taught while we grow up, right? Like, pat yourself on the back. Give yourself a round of applause. Y'all did great, right? Every medal goes for everyone, right? It's just like this weird, like, have confidence. And, and, and I get why teachers do that and, 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 and coaches and, and other people. Like, I get why our culture advocates for this because we, we want to have, we don't want low self-esteem. We want higher self-esteem. We don't want our, our heads kind of in the sand. We want to be able to walk high and, and, and walk a little bit taller. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing per se. But the Bible says God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble, right? So as Christians, it's kind of this, it's this you know, we, we have this mix, right? Like, okay, yes, give yourself a round of applause, be proud of what you do and, and the work, you know, be a proud Albertan, right? Let's like, let's go, let's, I mean, the Oilers, I know we lost to the Flames yesterday, but we're still gonna win the Stanley Cup this year, right? It's like, come on, right? Like, let's, we know that, like, we're, we're ingrained with this, yeah, let's go. But God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble is this, is this tension, it's this tension. Right, so as a result, we, we, we think about this and yeah, God does oppose the proud and gives grace to the humble, so, so maybe we shouldn't boast in anything. Right, because it's a slippery slope and the more we boast, the more we're gonna be prideful, so we just throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? We're not gonna touch that at all. But take a look at what we read in Jeremiah 29 about this. It's fascinating. This is what the Lord says. The wise person should not boast in his wisdom. Yeah, that makes sense. The strong should not boast in his strength. Yeah. The wealthy should not boast in his wealth, right? I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. But take a look at what it says next. But the one who boasts should boast in this that he understands and he knows me, that I am the Lord, showing faithful love, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For I delight in these things. This is the Lord's declaration. So we are called to boast, but the only thing that we are called to boast in is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is greater than everything else. Jesus is greater and he's worthy of our attention. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our all. Right? Our time, our talent, our treasure. He's worthy of it all. Because he's greater than it all. He's greater than everything else. So friends, let's learn how to boast in the right things. <laughs> right? Not in our wisdom, not in our status, not in our achievements, not in our wealth, not in anything on this side of eternity, let's learn how to boast in Jesus and in his work and in his redemption and in what he's doing in our midst. Because when we learn how to do that, uh, we will, here, here's what will happen, we'll learn how to walk in the way of Jesus, in the way of wisdom, in the way of justice, in the way of righteousness and peace. Christina and I, uh, we love walking. Uh, we love going on walks all around our city. Uh, on Fridays, if on our Sabbath, if the, if the weather is nice, you, you might find us in the River Valley. Every day we're always walking in and around our neighborhoods. And, and, and actually, you know, I, I came across this stat this past week where Edmonton, I'm gonna, I just want to read this to get it right. Edmonton is Canada's largest urban park. 
Did you know that? Like not just Alberta's largest urban, like Canada's largest urban park is in Edmonton. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's pretty cool that we live, I know winter is six months out of the year, but we live in Canada's largest urban park, right? 160 kilometers of maintained pathways, trails, and major parks. It's beautiful. In fact, if you ever go down to River Valley and you always go to the same spot, what are you doing? Like literally, there's so many different places to go. Anyways, that's not the point. Um, Every day, Christina and I, we will always uh, take our dog for a walk, and, and it's a great time for us to connect. Uh, and, and when we go on our walk, we have to watch out for coyotes. Now, it's not that coyotes are everywhere, and, and I'm not, you know, we're not going to live in fear of coyotes or, or stop going on walks because we know them, but, but where we live, there are coyotes. And we just need to, we, we, honestly, we just need to be aware uh, we need to know the signs. We need to be able to watch out for them because they are in certain places at certain times, but they're not everywhere. You know, in the same way, we need to watch out for false teachers. But like coyotes, it's not like they're everywhere, right? They're not all around trying to prowl around, you know, around the corner. It's not, that's not, they're not everywhere. It's, it, it, they're not, but they're in some places. And they kind of harp on certain issues. We just need to learn how to discern who the false teachers are, but we don't need to stop going on walks because of them. We just need to learn who majors on the minors, what the majors are, what the minors are, but we need to walk, not with our heads down low, not in fear, but in confidence because of Jesus. Right? We need to be able to walk in our new identity in Christ. We need to walk in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, we can walk in confidence because of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hey, if you're able, I, I want to invite you to stand. And in this song, we're going to end the service off with a prayer. And this song is our prayer. And it's a prayer about building our lives on Jesus, not on fear, not on anxiety, not on anything that we often try to put our confidence in and build our lives upon. No, it's about building our lives and it's about declaring that we're going to do that on Jesus and Jesus alone. So let's sing this together.